Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Amateur Hunter Podcast. Hunter. It has been almost three months to the day since the last episode came out. My intentions were to go all the way till the end of December before I took my hiatus uh, to end season one and, and get into season two. But things come up, life happens, all that fun stuff. I get lazy. So I ended the season early. So this is actually going to be episode one of season two. But we're going to still be getting into this prior year's hunting season and start getting into this coming up year. I've already got a bunch of plans set up and a lot of fun stuff coming up, so stick with us. I think it's going to be fun. But anyway, this week we're going to talk about my antelope hunt with uh, Kip and the disaster that that turned into. I will say I was not the hunter on this go-in. I didn't draw a tag this year, so I was just the quote-unquote guide guide of this soiree but yeah let's go ahead and get into that okay so this hunt was really from the get-go kind of just a fun hunt we weren't taking it too seriously neither one of us had hunted antelope before and it was coming after a long muzzleloader hunt which had for me an archery hunt before that so this was just meant to be kind of one of those easy no real intense hiking you know no crazy overnights or or you know eight day hunts or anything like that it was just going to be maybe a day or two driving up to our hunting area drive around do some glassing if we get onto anything you know put a stock on and then just see what happens but no real pressure no real expectations just an easy day and and to be honest at the end of it this it's what it kind of turned out to be and i would honestly say if you are looking to get into hunting and, and you find elk hunting or muley hunting or anything like that a little intimidating and it can be uh, elk hunting is hard no matter how you look at it it's a hard hunt to do Mule deer is a little bit easier, but still, you got to put a lot of effort into it. Antelope can really kind of be just a fun, easy hunt. Something to cut your teeth on, or something to take a you know your your child, your son or daughter on, or you know anybody who's just getting into it to kind of ease them into this process and, and maybe show them a little success to to get them hooked. Because I'll tell you, the success rate on antelope is way way higher than elk for sure um even more than mule deer especially and this is in colorado if you go a couple hours north into wyoming and pull a tag there i want to say the the state uh average success rate is well over 70 percent over 80 percent even um, so it's not it's not a crazy hard hunt it doesn't require a ton of anything not a ton of gear not a ton of knowledge um just 
you know, it's a basic hunt, but it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun to watch these animals and, and, and to see what they do. So anyway, so that's what we do. Um, Kip winds up, him and I both put in tags for this unit up north uh, in the Pawnee National Grasslands area. And I put in for a buck tag, he put in for a doe tag. Uh, I didn't draw, he winds up drawing the doe tag. So, which is alright, now I'm sitting on a couple of preference points. And uh, so hopefully here in the near future I can get a pretty decent unit and, and uh, go after a nice buck. But anyway... So we wind up heading up there. Um, we met at some gas station along the way so I could drop my truck off and jump in his and then head up there the rest of the way. And I mean, I want to say we got there maybe right at daylight, somewhere in that area. And we're not familiar with this area. This is our first time ever being up there. I don't think Kip had scouted before then. I know I hadn't. So I think we're you know, other than checking maps and things like that, we had not actually been in this area to see what it, you know, had in store, which is one little issue that we ran into that day. We'll get into that later. But we get there, and we're just kind of cruising the roads, figuring out the lay of the land, and, and kind of seeing what's going on, and wind up coming off of this road, or trail, I guess you would say, off the main road that runs the fence line of private land. And that's one thing you, if you're going to hunt in that area, um, really Onyx is your best friend because it is so peppered throughout with, you know, you've got private land here, public land, private land, public. I mean, it's just all throughout. You've really got to know what you're doing because uh, I'll be honest, the landowners there don't have a lot of patience for it. That area is pretty heavily used. It's got a lot of shooting going on up there. They've got a range, plus there's open shooting, so there's guys up there all the time. Plus it's prime antelope country, coyote country, so it's used a ton. So if you cross the line and you trespass, it's not one of those things where you're you're going to get a howdy, you know, hey, you're on my land. It's going to be a call to the game warden. You know, these guys are on my land because um, they just, and I don't blame them. If I was constantly having people all over the place, uh, I'd wouldn't have a whole lot of patience for it either but anyway so taking this trail right on the edge of this property line and then comes out into this big wide open area that drops down into this little draw um, there's a couple windmills down in there I don't know if they're functional but nice little area so we park the truck get out set up our tripods get to glassing and I mean it doesn't take long at all and and antelope are running um, and they, they go in and out of, of private to public. But this is the other thing. There's trucks everywhere. I mean, every direction we looked at, there's trucks. So we kind of just block it off as to, like, you know, if they're in this certain area, that's that's a huntable antelope to us. If they're over in this area, we're going to leave it to, you know, whatever hunter is over in that area. We're not going to try to step on anybody's toes or do anything like that. So out here glassing and really trying to get my game eye um, set for these. I'm, again, I've never hunted antelope. Um, I don't live in an area that really has antelope. Kip does. Kip lives on, on the easterly side, so I think he sees a lot of them uh, throughout the time when he's driving to work and back, you know, throughout the year. I don't. I hardly... The only time I ever see antelope is when I'm up north, if I go shooting or whatever. So I just didn't really have a game eye for him, and, and Kip made that very clear as he was pointing out, you know, 20, 30, 40 of these things to my one or two that I could see. 
Um, but that's a big part of this whole process too is 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 getting your game eye. You know, I've hunted deer um, so long at this point that I'm not perfect at it. There's definitely guys out there a lot better than I am, but I can get the sounds and kind of know when I've got a deer like maybe walking up behind me a lot of times. Um, just seeing an ear flick or the tail flick or anything like that, like you know, I can pick that stuff up pretty quick now. And and it just comes with watching and, and being out there and hunting them all these years. And so that's one big thing to really work on. And that's a thing you can work on in, in the off season, obviously. If you just go out and do some um, hiking and watching and, and scouting and, and really figuring out what these animals look like. Because if all you can do is spot the entire body, you're going to miss a lot of them. You need to be able to see just a little part behind some brush or something to know that that animal is back there. So that's a big part of it, and I'm I'm not there yet with with antelope. I'm just not, even though um, these are not animals that are in deep woods or high mountains or you know in crazy areas. They are in sage flats. So you would think it's really easy to see them. For me, it's not. Um, but regardless, we're we're doing some glassing, just you know checking them out, figuring out um, you know bucks and does, and and just really you know, enjoying ourselves, and we see a bunch running through, nothing really that's close enough to where, you know, we think we can put a stock on, or that we're going to be able to not be, you know, stepping on some other hunter's area, um, until we do finally see a doe come through, and I I can't remember for certain, because um, it has been a few months now, but... I want to say she was solo, um, and maybe I'm wrong. She might have been with a buck or might have been with another doe, but I, I can't. I remember when the shot was taken, she was solo. She was on her own. So she, if she was with anybody, um, they had already booked it on out. Um, but anyway, so see her. Kip had already made the decision. Look, this is my one. It was his first year hunting ever. Um, or I'm sorry, his second year hunting ever. Um but first time ever hunting antelope. So he kind of went in it with the same attitude that he did with um, earlier in the season with muleys and, and elk, which was if I see a legal one, I'm shooting it because I just want the success. I want the meat. And that's that's big, and I never judge anybody for that. You know, um, It's more about the accomplishment and more about the harvest than it is the size or anything like that. Now, we can always get into management and all of that, and yes, I get that, but shooting a doe is management um if you want to start talking things about big bucks great but when you have a doe tag any doe you shoot you're doing doe management anyway so you know she's there she's off uh what would be to our south i want to say where there was no other hunters um the only thing was that there was that was the private property line so we had to get on her before she could cross over into the private land. And uh, so we start putting a little stock on her. Um, she's running from left to right on us and just kind of trotting. I think she knows that we're there, but I don't think she's overly concerned at this point. And to be honest, she didn't have any reason to be concerned. But anyway, so we have a shooting. You know, I have my single monopod shooting stick. So I'm carrying that. And... Uh, and then, you know, Kip's got his gun. So we're walking, trying to trying to put a, you know, take a line that will get us to cut her off. Um, 
so that we can take a shot before she gets onto to private land. And it winds up actually working pretty good. The wind was in our favor, um, which wind isn't a huge deal when it comes to antelope. Antelope use their eyes, and they're going to see you miles before you even know they exist. So I know she knew that we were there. I think it was just it was opening day. There wasn't a lot of shots being fired at this point. I don't think she had been shot at yet at all. So I just think it, at that point it wasn't a big deal. But anyway, so we wind up taking a, a pretty good line, and uh, and she winds up stopping. Um, she stops and faces right at us. I give Kip the stick. He he throws his rifle on it. And he's waiting for her to turn broadside, which is a smart thing to do, uh, but she never does. She's just staring us down, so I'm just like, take the shot, put it right through her chest. You know, this is the only shot she's going to give us. It's not the best one. I, you know, it's not one I always recommend, but this is what she's going to give us. Let's do it. And he's shooting a 7 mil mag. It's going to get the job done. So he lines it up, and, you know, he, I hear him click the safety. Boom. And she takes off. Um, not really overly spooked, though. She's not sprinting. She's just doing that trot that they do, which is still fast as I'll get out. But so I know, clean miss. I'm looking at her through the binos. I see zero blood. But I can't tell where the hit was. I couldn't, I didn't see the, the uh, bullet impact behind her. So I made the assumption, because I think when we took the shot, I think she was. Hmm. I want to say she was 150-ish, somewhere in that area. So I thought maybe we were high. Maybe he held a little high. Um, but she's trotting off. We continue on that line, see if she'll give us another shot. I think I was grunting at her or something, um, and it, it got her to stop. She stopped again, this time giving us a broadside shot, maybe a little bit quartering too, but it was a much better angle than, than the original. Has another round chambered, safety clicks, boom, nothing. She, in this point, she's gone. Um, it, you know, she took off, that was enough to spook her. She was out, no blood, no hair, no damage. She's just gone. So I'm like, what in the world is going on? And again, I couldn't see the splash behind her, so I couldn't tell 100%. I know nothing hit in front of her or directly under her, so the only thing I could tell was that maybe it was over top again. And we had rangefinders, so I'm pretty sure I, you know, we had a pretty accurate range as to what was going on. But regardless, this all goes back to a conversation that I had with him before we went hunting, and I said, we need to make sure your rifle is zeroed before we go out. And we agreed that, well, why don't we just take our target up with us? It's Pawnee, so you can shoot anywhere at Pawnee. Um, and we will just sight it in before we go hunting. Well, we got onto the antelope before we even got to sight in. So, you know, took a chance. Obviously, something went wrong. I couldn't tell you if it was the gun at this point or if it was the shooter or a combination of both. But that old gal was gone. So we keep walking around a little bit, set up, do some glassing, and these antelope are just running all over the place. They, you know, they're just back and forth onto onto private, off, you know, onto uh, public, and and guys are chasing them all around. And I think this was the first time we had a run-in with the red truck. 
And this is one thing you're going to have to deal with. Anybody who has ever hunted public land, you know that you've already, I'm sure you already dealt with these kind of guys. And these are the guys that apparently laws don't exist. They could care less about the laws. They could care less about safety of anybody. They just want to run around and act like idiots and have guns in their trucks. And it's it's one of the most annoying things in the world to have to deal with. And it's dangerous. Um, and and you'll, I'll tell you here shortly how dangerous it turned out to be. And these are the guys that ruin it for everybody else. These are the guys that you see on the news who are making hunters look like morons, who make hunters look like uneducated cavemen who just want to shoot guns and shoot and kill things. Because they never really do a story on the conservation hunter, the guy who loves nature and loves animals, and yes, harvests, harvests them. You know, I love cows, I, but I'm also going to eat them. And it's hard for people to understand that sometimes. It's it's hard for people to understand that relationship to where you might love an animal. I could watch elk all day. When they do um, elk fest at uh, whatever that stinking town is, Estes Park, um, the elk come down. And there's no hunting in Rocky Mountain National Park, so the elk have no fear. Um, I'm sure anybody outside of Colorado has even heard of Estes and the elk that walk the streets. Well, they come down, and they'll come down during the rut, and you'll see how they herd up their cows and, and get a harem. And you'll see the satellite bulls. You'll see the herd bull. You'll see, hear them bugling. Um, and it's just the coolest thing to watch, and I could watch it all day long. Um, but I'm also going to hunt them. Um, not them, but, you know, legally hunting <laughs> and, and harvest if possible. It doesn't mean that I don't recognize them as a beautiful animal or love to, to watch them. But I'm also um, a consumer of meat, and I prefer to do so in a natural way rather than buy it from a grocery store. I'm not against buying from the grocery store. I do it, but I would prefer to harvest my own meat. Anyway, getting back on track. So this red truck um, completely drives off the trail, drives right into the middle of where all these elk are. I'm not elk, but antelope are. And are just spooking everything they're taking stupid shots i mean you're, you're talking about these guys would drive down the road jump out of the truck would get maybe 10 feet from the truck and shoot and, and shoot it running antelope you show me a guy who f offhand can shoot a running antelope and, and and i will give you any amount of money because that's a pretty amazing shot and these guys were just idiots complete and utter morons so Kip and I see this going on, and, and then we decide, this place is done. I'm not hanging out with these guys. So we hop in the truck, drive down back to the road. We're driving a little ways, and we see an area um, that's got some um, troughs, water troughs for cattle. Um, it's still on public land. but um, So we think this might be a good area because I'm sure that antelope use these cattle troughs all the time. So we get up there, park. I think we're getting close to around lunchtime, so we decided, you know, we'll eat a little bit of food, glass a bit, and all of that. Well, just so happens, we are sitting out there, glassing, and, a, and uh, I, I want to say it was maybe two bucks and a doe, a buck and two does, whatever it was, they come running through. And they they come, run, and then they stop. I want to say... Two, two to three hundred yards from us, 
So we put just a little bit of a stock just to get a better angle on them. And by this point, we had switched. I'd switched the fork um, from the monopod. I put it on my tripod so that we'd have a much more stable shooting platform um, so that I could try to take some of the excuses away from Kip and his inability to shoot. But anyway, so we get the tripod over there, get everything set up, and we're just kind of watching them as they run, waiting for them to, to, you know, stop so that we can put a shot on them. Well, they get down to the bottom of this little goalie, and they stop. And they're just kind of browsing, you know, walk a little bit, put the head down, eat. You know, not really spooked um, at this point. And here that comes the red truck. And I'm telling you, again, this is sage flats. This is not mountainous terrain. This is not aspen groves. This is not pine groves. This is open terrain. And Kip and I are standing right up in the middle of it, blaze orange, not hiding from anybody. And these morons drive right around us and drive straight down to where these antelopers are sitting and then put their truck in between Kip and the antelope. And so obviously Kip, not being an idiot himself, says, I obviously can't make this shot. So we just sit there and wait and, and wait for these guys to notice that we are here and to get off of our antelope because it's at this point I feel like we are the ones hunting these antelope. These guys are not. They came in late, and they're acting stupid. They obviously did not see it the same way. But they finally drive off a little bit, and they go on the backside of these antelope. Kip again says, I'm not taking this shot. If something goes wrong with this shot, they're my backdrop. Obviously, that's not a, a, a uh, smart shot to make. It's, it's not ethical. And, and there's nothing we could do about it. We were, I think, I think I was actually waving at them at one point, trying to let them know that, hey, we are here, we're hunting these antelope. They did not care. And uh, by the time they had come around to the backside of the antelope, I think they noticed that we were the ones hunting them. I think they were waiting for us to make the shot while they were parked behind the antelope, and and there was just no way we were going to take that shot. So we just sat there and watched until the antelope got spooked and then took off. And it was beyond frustrating. At that point, I had, we had said, let's call the game warden because these guys are not driving on roads. They're just plowing through, doing whatever they want to do, putting people in bad situations. I, I'm done with it. Well, while this is going on, the antelope take off. They're heading, I think, east. These guys jump back out on the road, and they fly to try to cut these antelope off. They jump out of the truck, and then you just hear, bam, 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 just shot after shot after shot of nothing that's going to hit. And and I will say, it, it was that typical idiot hunter that, you know, everybody talks about, the fat white guy with his gut hanging out and his blaze orange crap everywhere, beer cans falling out of his Dodge Ram. That that was this guy. He was It was just two idiot morons who I hope lost their license. And they're privileged to hunt for the rest of their lives because this junk just irks me to no end. But anyway, so they do that, and then they just barrel off. And and they just take off again across this field. No trail, no nothing. They're just chasing these antelope, which I'm telling you, it ruins it for everybody else because what you're doing is you're pushing antelope everywhere. Guys who are actually trying to put stalks on, trying to do the right thing, trying to be good hunters, you're blowing it for everybody because you're just blowing everything out of the area with your stupidity and laziness. It was too hard for these guys to get out of their truck, get their fat butts onto a trail, and walk a mile 
to try to put a stock on. No, they. I guarantee if the opportunity had presented itself, they would have just plowed them over with their truck. But regardless, so we go back to the truck, frustrated, talking about calling the game warden. And lo and behold, we see the game warden drive by. He stops, comes down the trail that we're on, and, and, and comes say hi to us. And this is where I'll tell you, this is where doing the right thing, being an ethical hunter, and doing your best to to be a good hunter and a good uh, steward of the land will always benefit you. I have had, at this point, many interactions with game wardens, and all of them end positively because I try to do the right thing. I'm not. If I do something wrong, it's it's really not out of intention. It's out of ignorance, um, which isn't a great excuse all the time, but. It's better than just blatantly ignoring. And so he pulls up, and he's talking to us, and we bring up the guys in the red Dodge. And he he just kind of shakes his head and is laughing. He says, yeah, he says, you know, I've gotten umpteen calls from landowners and people driving down the roads that these guys are just plowing through. And I said, yeah, we just watched them do it. Gave him the whole rundown of all the junk that they had just pulled with us. And... You know, he'd gotten their license plate and everything. So he was he was going after these guys to have a, a little conversation about their stupidity. And I'm glad that I, I, I don't know if he did, but uh, I absolutely hope he did get a hold of them. But while we're in the middle of this interaction, he actually lets us know where our truck was parked was not a legal trail to drive on. Um, we came to find out that there's a, a layer that you can put on your Onyx map and it basically highlighted the the roads that we were legally allowed to drive on in purple. Everything else you had to walk. But again, explaining what we were doing, doing everything legal. We had our tags. Well, we had a, our tag. I had my, uh, you know, I had my hunting license on me, you know, which didn't matter in this hunt anyway. But we had our blaze orange. You could tell that we weren't doing stupid stuff. We were trying our best. We just made a mistake out of ignorance. Um, and again, like I said, ignorance is, is not an excuse of the law, and anybody will tell you that, but when you're doing everything right and you make a mistake, you're going to get more passes than if you're just an idiot. And that's exactly what he did. He said, you know, he showed us the layer on the map, and he, and he showed us exactly where those roads were, and he said, yep, this is, you know, if you want to go anywhere else, it's just got to be on foot. Really nice guy, gave us his card, told us to give him a call anytime if we need anything, had any other questions, you know, whatever it was. And uh, away he went after that Dodge. And then we went back down to the main road and stayed on that main road. Well, so after that interaction, I was pretty frustrated. Kip was pretty frustrated. So we wanted to try a different area. We were hoping to get away from that stupid red Dodge and the morons inside of it. So we wind up going to this whole other area. And at this point, um, we were like, okay, let's go find a place we want to get you know away from people if possible because i don't want to shoot this gun and spook all the game and then you know guys out here hunting are going to get all you know fired up about it because you know they're trying to hunt and we're just out here blasting away so that was our our initial um priority we were trying to just find a place away from everybody with a good backdrop to to make sure that this rifle was sighted in well, of course, along the way, we're driving down this road. All of a sudden, I want to say it was four of them, a um, couple of bucks and a couple of does, take off across. 
they're on private land and we see them cross into public. Well, you know, it's really hard to to say that you uh, you're going to continue and to do some target practice when you've got the game you're hunting right there in front of you. So we turn back around. We go into this little entryway onto this field, park the truck, um, because, again, we just found out that, you know, these little trails we couldn't drive on. Fine by us. So grab the tripod, grabs his gun, and and we start walking. And I, I will say, this was the coolest stock that I've ever done um, because it's harder. Th- that's the challenging part of antelope. Antelope is not hard as far as terrain. You don't have to be in great shape to be able to walk this terrain. It's a little hilly, and, and that's even a, a stretch. It's I mean, there's, it's not really up and down. It's it's just a little bit of dips here and there, and it's it's not really rugged terrain. It's just dirt and some sagebrush. So it, you don't have to be amazing to be able to hunt this. The hard part of this is that antelope see really really good, and I, I can't remember what the degree is, but it's like. I don't know, 300 degrees of vision. It's, it's ridiculous. Um, so they see everything, and there's nowhere to hide. So that is what makes antelope hunting hard. And also, I mean, there's guys I know that can make these shots. You know, there's guys that are on YouTube and all this other junk that make these 1,000-yard shots. But I'll tell you, in Pawnee and most of Wyoming, not most of Wyoming, all of Wyoming, that's a real challenge. That wind is howling all the time. I mean, 20, 30 miles an hour is, is calm. 60 miles an hour is normal. I mean, it's it's just always windy. There's nothing to stop it. So it's just wind non-stop. Uh, reminds me a lot of when I lived in Oklahoma. But anyway, so that's the challenge is putting the stock in to get into a good you know range which you know for me i would like to be under 200 yards that would be perfect i'll take a 300 yard shot in good conditions but i would like to be under two and kip was in the same boat so we kind of make a plan these these antelope aren't spooked at all they have no idea that we're there we're over a mile out from them which i know they could see us if they wanted to but there was nothing spooking them so we keep keep an eye on them see them kind of go behind this little hill so we decide okay we can we can really put a good um get out them you know cover a lot of ground real quick because they're out of sight so we kind of you know in a little jaunt a little jog if you will close that distance i mean we probably get a quarter of a mile and then they kind of pop out so then we have to kind of use the terrain. So this terrain will, you know, it dips and goes up and down. So you have to kind of use that terrain, get yourself below them, and and kind of, you know, we would have to swing around the side of a hill to kind of cut them off. Um, it's really kind of hard to explain. It would have been cool if we'd videoed it, but at, at this point again, you don't have you don't have terrain. I mean, you don't have like trees. You don't have mountainsides. You don't have brush and all this stuff that you can use to kind of keep yourself hidden it's all about the folds in the terrain you have to use the terrain to hide from them and and we did and we did it perfectly i mean we we got within probably 300 yards and and just popped over the top of this hill saw them and realized that they weren't within range so we dropped that back down to the bottom of this hill and then walked it around by the time we had come around to the side 
they were actually walking towards us and were well within uh, maybe 150 yards. I mean, they were right there. We got this doe to stop. I mean, she is ready to die. She's she's a broadside. I mean, it, it's just all all that's left is for that bullet to impact, and we've we're going home with with an antelope. Kip takes a shot. Boom! Nothing. I see the bullet splash behind her, but I, I, with my angle, I couldn't tell if it went over her back, if it went in front of her, behind her. It, it, I just knew the bullet didn't hit her. I know that, and they're gone, all of them. They just boom. They're gone onto private land. They loop back around, and and they're miles away from us within minutes. So at that point, we basically come to the conclusion that that we probably should not take another shot at an antelope until we know that this gun is on. So we take the long, lonely walk back to the truck, load it up. And we drive out to this little no no place area. Nobody's hunting it. There's really nothing out there. And do some sighting in. And come to find out that this gun is shooting... I mean, it's like three inches. I think it was like three inches to the right um, at 100. So you take a 150-yard shot, you're four and a half inches off. You take a 200-yard shot, you're 600 or six inches off, and that's with zero human error. You know, you get jerky with that trigger, especially on the right hand. Um, you know, you can pull that, you can pull it several inches without it being off. You could take a gun that's you know three inches off and make it nine inches off. So I, you know, we got it zeroed, and. I give him a hard time for it. Uh, I make fun of him for his his lack of of skills with a rifle. But I will say this: uh, I want to say that this year, because last year he borrowed a rifle to hunt. Um, so I I want to say that this year is possibly the first time in his life that he has owned a rifle. He uh, if. And even before then, I could probably count on one hand the amount of times he has fired a rifle. We did some practicing, some decent practicing, you know, before in the spring. But, you know, we just didn't get it hammered out. And and it all came to show um, on this hunt. You know, I, like I said, I give, I give him a hard time about it and I make fun of him because I guarantee you when I miss, and I have, uh, he gives me a hard time about it. But... The truth of the matter is, it's just, it's a new gun, and you just got to learn it. So, we went back out after that, you know, we, we got it zeroed, I knew it was on at that point, and I, I think we went back to our original spot that we did to start the day off, but we went uh, on the north side of it, and walked the fence row, and then just kind of plopped down and, and waited till a little bit before dark um as i've said in the past i don't i don't typically hunt like i don't sit until dark normally i will sit until you know if i walk 20 minutes to my truck um then i'll sit until 20 minutes before the end of shooting light because 
I've had too many times where I've been walking back to the truck and there's an animal on my way there, but it's already beyond shooting light. So typically I like to get to my truck at the end of shooting light so that I have that time that I walk back to take the shot if need be. Just my little quirk. You know, people might say that it's dumb. Whatever, it's worked. But we don't really see anything. You know, just sitting back, relaxing. I think, actually I don't think we saw anything. I don't think, you know, nothing else the rest of that day. But you can't really say it's unsuccessful. We had three shots on two antelope. So we could have been home before lunch with antelope meat in the freezer. So it was on us. for that failure but anyway for me that was it Um, I don't hunt Sundays so Kip I think he went out the next day I think he saw some but um, he had some more idiots running around Uh, actually we had seen him the night prior there was another uh, SUV full of guys who had super nice rifles with cans and, and just you know, looked like they were ready to go to war, um, but couldn't probably describe what an antelope looked like to you if you had to. You know, you're going to see a lot of those people out on public land. But, uh, but yeah, that was the end for me. Kip went out a couple more times. I think he saw some. I don't think he got any shots on anything, though. So, you know, that tag wound up going up on the wall, unsuccessful. But learned a lot. And uh, had a lot of fun. I I can't speak enough to how much fun that hunt was, mainly because of just the the relaxed nature of it. Um, you know, I don't know if you if you ever watch these hunting shows, but uh, there's one, and and of course right now I'm going to forget his name, but uh, it's his, his favorite kind of hunting is antelope hunting. He he just loves to antelope hunt, and you'll see him. He's not. He's not throwing a pack on hiking for six to ten miles a day. He's driving his truck, and he's glassing out of his truck. And if he sees one he likes, he'll put a stock on it. And uh, and that's what I do like about it. I, every hunt has its things that, that you enjoy. And, and a lot of times the enjoyment is the challenge. Uh, trying to put those miles under your boots, under some really rough terrain with a heavy pack on, there's a lot of satisfaction that comes to that when you finish it. Um, but it's challenging. It's a hard thing to do. Sometimes it's really nice to just have a cool hunt with some cool animals that, you know, you can just kind of sit back and, and, and enjoy it instead of pushing yourself through it, you know? Oh, and, and before I forget... I don't know if I mentioned this in the past, but the uh, one debate that we had was the fact that um, these pronghorns are referred to as antelope here. Uh, however, I guess they are not related. According to Kip's super intensive research, I guess they're more closely re- related to giraffes. So if you ever decide to go hunt with him and you're hunting them... Um, don't be confused when he tells you he's going giraffe hunting. He thinks it's hilarious. But whatever. Anyway, um, you know, we'll get into some of the lessons that we learned, some of the, the positives and the takeaways that we had from this hunt. Coming right up. 
Okay, so, you know, at least we can be happy that this hunt uh, keeps up with the tradition of failure, which is, you know, what the start of this podcast was about, was all the different ways we figured out how to fail. And, you know, I was kind of feeling bad because of all the good things that happened this year, which is also a huge lie. I will never apologize. I worked my butt off all these years to finally have the year that I've had. And actually, it turned out to be a a pretty stinking amazing year. Um, If you include all the hunts that I was going on this fall. So I had archery for mule deer. I had muzzleloader for mule deer. I had... uh, I was going on a rifle antelope, and then I had antelope... I mean, I had rifle elk, and I had a whitetail tag in Illinois. And... In all of those hunts, minus one, I had shots on animals. Harvested two, should have harvested four. Didn't get any elk, didn't see any elk. And that we'll get into that later um, with all of the fires and the changes I had to do with my tags and all of that. I'm not really surprised. It was still a nice end to the year. But I had, I had a shot on a, a decent buck in Illinois that I blew. You know, Kip obviously had his... Um, his opportunities with the antelope and then I harvested two mule deer with the muzzleloader and the and the bow so I can't I can't complain whatsoever um, this was this was really a blessed year and and it was just it was awesome um oh and I did I did harvest a coyote um obviously I don't have a tag for that it just requires a hunting license but so overall it it was a, a thrill it was just an awesome awesome year getting to watch Kip kill his first animal um, yeah, just overall, great, great year. I, I wouldn't trade it for anything. Anyway, let's get back into how we screwed this whole hunt up. I mean, it's obvious, uh, we missed, you know, you, yeah, I'm not, I'm not going to say we, he missed. Okay. I didn't take the shot. I'm not taking partial blame for it. He missed three times on two antelope and it comes down to two main things. Preparation and preparation. Um, both of these categories, that we should have zeroed that rifle before we started hunting, and we needed to practice more. Life does get in the way. Um, even in a COVID year, just it seems like trying to, to get out there to shoot uh, is, is a tough thing. I, it really makes me jealous or miss you know the life that I had back in Illinois I didn't really kind of I didn't fully comprehend what real life was uh, when I was a kid in Illinois I thought everybody had property and this is the truth this is not like a joke this is me as a kid I thought this is how the world worked I thought everybody owned land like my mom and dad did I thought that boys drove trucks I thought that girls drove cars um, I also thought that girls drink from straws and boys drink from cups. I, I don't know, you know, all of this stuff sitting here. And obviously, you know, those dumb ones like, you know, cups and straws and all of that, that, you know, that as I became not a child, I learned that stuff. But I, a lot of that stuff I took for granted. At my mom and dad's house, I'd go set a cardboard box up at the bottom of their, pro- you know, hill of their property and I can shoot a hundred yards off the back porch. 
Like, if I decided I wanted to go practice with a rifle, there was no planning. It was, go grab your gun, go set up a target, shoot. And it just it never occurred to me that that's not what everybody else has. Um, same with a bow. You know, I could I could shoot a bow 400 yards, 1,000 yards, um, without even thinking. I mean, well, I mean, I couldn't make that shot, but I have the room to do so on my parents or my brother-in-law or my brother's land. All of them have land. So, you know, you, you don't realize what kind of a blessing that is to have until you don't, and you realize that, you know, to go shooting requires either one, paying to go to a range, or, you know, if you want to go, like, to Pawnee like I like to, it requires basically planning your entire day around it. Got to get all my targets packed up. Got to get my, all my guns ready to go. Get all my ammo set up. You know, then make the two-hour drive up there. Spend the day, you know, shooting and then driving home. And so it's it, it's it's requires quite a bit of of uh, dedication. So it you know I can understand it. It was a little bit hard to get as much shooting in as we wanted to or needed to really this year. But it's it's one thing you got to make a priority. Um, it's one thing that I'm I am putting within myself this year that I'm going to make a priority to get more shooting time because it's it's a diminishing skill. You use it or you lose it. Um and it goes quick. When I when I put the bow down, when when hunting is over with the bow, I really I don't shoot all year long. There's guys who will. I don't. When 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 I'm done with the bow, it goes gets put up probably until May. May June time frame, and then I pull it back out, make sure everything's ready to go, replace anything that needs to be replaced, and then I'm and then I'll start shooting almost every day to get myself ready for fall. But I can tell you that first probably two weeks that I'm shooting, my groups have gone way way bigger. Um, my strength is not there. You know when you draw a bow, that motion, just the motion of drawing a bow. How often do you do that in any? normal job in anything in your life so that, that muscle um, diminishes and so you got to spend time getting yourself back in what I call bow shape um, get your eyes adjusted to that and, and and getting your shot groups down and all of that and it just requires practice and practice it's the same thing with a gun you don't shoot your gun you're gonna lose those skills there's a ton of things that make shooting easier we have lighter triggers now we have lighter guns we have ridiculous optics you know, I hand load. So everything is designed to make that rifle accurate. What makes it inaccurate is the shooter. You know, it's normally us that are screwing these shots up. So that's the biggest thing is just being prepared. Whatever it is that you're going to do, you need to be ready with it. Um, there's a challenge. This year, again, I plan on pulling a bow tag, a, a muzzleloader tag, and a rifle tag, at least one of each. So I need to be ready with my bow, my muzzleloader, and my rifle. And it's going to require me to take the time to do so. You know, luckily, Kip, um, he fully understands that. And that's one thing. That's why I like hunting with him. That's why I will continue to hunt with him, because he takes it seriously. He doesn't just miss and say, whatever, you know, next year will be a different year, and, and not do anything about it, not do anything to try to improve himself. Um, he went out and got a membership at a gun club close to his house. And that goes out, I think he told me it goes like out to 800 or 600, well beyond any, you know, range that we needed to, you know, 
200 yards, 300 yards is great to practice. But regardless, he got that. So he can, it's closer to his house. So he can figure out and, and justify getting out there. Instead of having to plan an entire day, you can say, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get up, you know, such and such day, run out there, shoot for a couple hours, and go home. 20 minutes from the house. Not a big deal. If something pops up, it's not like he's got to drive two hours home. Oh, you know, oh, I forgot. I got to take the kids here. Okay, I'll be home in 15 minutes. Like, it's not a big deal. So that is awesome. And he gets to take somebody along for like five bucks. So it really helps me out too. Um, on top of that, um, he took one of his ARs and had me uh, put a uh, one of his scopes on there so that he can practice with his AR a lot more because um, again he's shooting a 7 mil mag that I hand load for him I, it's cheaper for me to hand load for him but he's still paying I want to say last we added up it was close to 60-70 cents around somewhere around there so that adds up really quick plus he's got to wait for me to hand load every single time so it's easier for him to practice uh, with 223 um, even though ammo across the board right now is, is stupid but it's still easier to go that route. So that's huge. That's a big thing. He's taking it seriously. He knows where his, his deficiencies are. If he could hunt every animal with a, with a, a pistol, um, he'd be perfectly fine. Um, he's extremely proficient with pistols. But unfortunately, he ain't going to get to. So he realizes this is where I need to improve. So he's making all the steps that he can to make sure that come this fall, he's going to be ready. And that's awesome. Um... And that's the big thing, is, is being prepared, doing everything you can to prepare. You're going to make mistakes. I'm, you know, missing an animal, does. I'm not going to judge you for that. But if you can miss that animal and recognize why you missed, okay, let's work on what we need to do to fix that. Let's make sure our guns are ready to go the day that we're going to go. And let's make sure that we are ready to go when it's time to go. Make sure that you've done everything you can. Sometimes you miss. It happens. It doesn't mean that you weren't prepared. But if you can look at that and say that it was due to some lack of preparation, that's where you need to fix it. That's all you've got to do. If you can recognize your deficiencies and find ways to try to rectify that, you are going to become a better hunter. And that's across the board. I mean, you do, I mean that is linked to everything in life. If you can find areas in your basketball game that you... Are deficient in any work on those you're going to become a better basketball player if you have if you're a mechanic and you're really good at you know drive lines but you suck at engine work and you work on engine work take classes in engine work you're going to be a better mechanic because now you're going to be a drive line expert and an engine and an engine expert it's everything but in regards to hunting it's a big deal it's taking of a life so you want to be as proficient as humane and as quick about it as you possibly can be and that's what we learned on this one. Um, it's that it takes just a little bit of screwing up in one area to screw everything up. The good thing is we didn't injure any animals. I'll take a clean miss over a bad hit any day. Yeah, a bad hit still might revolt in, result in a, in a death and a harvest. Um, but how long is it going to take for that death to occur? How much meat is going to be spoiled because of that? Or are you going to? is that thing just going to run off and die somewhere and you'll never find it? Um... So I would definitely, I, I will take a clean miss over a bad hit any day of the week. Anyway, um, I'm hoping to stay on track. I do have a kid on the way. 
Um, she should be here any time now. Well, not any time now. I think we've still got like four or five weeks or something like that until she's supposed to be here. But, you know, it, it's coming up on us pretty quick here. So that might put a little kink in some of my plans. Or, you know, maybe you'll just have to deal with a baby crying in the background while I record these. Whatever it is, I don't care. We'll get through it, I'm sure. Um, but, yeah, so... Overall, it was a fun hunt. I'm really glad we got to do it. I am hooked. I'm putting in for an antelope tag this year. Uh, I believe Kip is as well. Maybe we'll get Jason to go on this go-around as well. But uh, really a fun hunt. If you're really looking to get into hunting yourself or you're looking to try to get somebody else into it and you don't want to you know, do a trial by fire, uh, this is a great way to do it. Uh, we kind of have the same thing, you know, what I tell people out back east is, you know, I would rather take my kid on a uh, on a small game hunt to, to introduce them to hunting than to just throw them into a deer hunt where they got to sit still for 12 hours. You know, it's something to ease people into, and, and I think antelope is a great one to do. There's high success rate. You're, even if you don't get a shot, you're going to see them, and so it, there's just a lot there to really enjoy. Um just understand you're going to be dealing with the idiots sometimes but that's everywhere you go and every hunt that you're going to do it just is what it is that's why we got game wardens don't be afraid to call them you know i know this whole new culture of people not telling and all this other giant that's not me if you're going to be an idiot you're going to do stupid stuff then i'm going to do my best to have you held accountable for it because i'm not going to have you ruin my hunt i'm not going to have my hunting privileges taken away because you want to be a moron so it is what it is. If you're one of those morons and you're listening, probably you shouldn't listen anymore because I'm going to continue to talk about how big of a moron you are. Anyway, um, so coming up next, uh, next week we'll be talking about my uh, deer hunt in Illinois. Um, went back in November, hunted a few days there with my brother-in-law. Uh, it was a lot of fun, um, but yeah, we'll, we'll get back into that. And we'll wrap up my final hunt of the year with the uh, elk hunt that I went on by myself. And kind of the big lesson I learned from there. Um, possibly one of the biggest lessons I learned this year of all the hunting that I did. But anyway, we'll we'll get into that later. I, as an announcement, I guess, I was going to do a um, kind of the amateur hunter workshop. I had a lot of things planned out. But to be 100% honest with you, this channel hasn't really taken off hugely. I'm not reaching a lot of viewers. <laughs> um, so there wasn't a whole lot of interest in that. Maybe it's just a little too soon to be trying that kind of stuff, plus with COVID and everything else. So there just wasn't enough for me to justify doing anything. Um, however, if you ever have any questions, one-off questions, uh, just want to chat about you know whatever it is you're just getting in hunting or you're, or you're frustrated with the results that you're getting whatever it is you can always email me at the amateur hunter at gmail.com again that's the amateur hunter at gmail.com and I'd, I'd love to, to chat um, whatever it is but anyway that is it for this week I am the amateur hunter and I will see you guys next week yeah.